Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, it's it's six weeks. Six weeks? Six weeks until the end of the year. That is crazy. You know? And I can't help but think. Mm Mm-hmm. And my mind has been going like 10 miles, well, 10,000 miles per hour. 10 miles an hour. It's been going really, really fast. Yeah. Um, because I feel like towards the end of the year, you always kind of try to think of like, wow, we're going into a new year. Right. What do I want to do? True. All these things. And you just have like all these like, not midlife crisis, but life crisis is at the end of the year. Yeah. Is it just me? No, I th- I'm pretty sure everyone feels that way. That's why people sign up to like change their life. <laughs> Uh, when the new year comes around. So I should like sign up for an Oprah Masterclass or Pretty something. Much. Or one of my retreats that I'm going to be promoting oh, very soon. That's exactly why I said something. <laughs> it's just plugging right now. No, but I, I think for me, it's like I'm, I'm trying to figure out what new ritual should I take up Ooh. towards the end of the year? Well, it depends what you're trying to do, trying to figure out. Well, does it? Just good vibe yeah, rituals? New, yeah, new thing. Like, depending on what you're trying to get rid of. Yeah. I mean, for you know, me, the go-tos that are pretty accessible and easy. I don't want to do... Oh, what's those yeah, things? What? Resolution. I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's... that's I don't I don't want to do that. If you want my thoughts on it. Well, you're the only other person in the room. <laughs> Actually, producer Vanessa. <laughs> on the mic. So... I think uh, definitely a meditation practice is always really good. You haven't gone into it yet. Well, okay. I, th- I believe. Could be an assumption. Uh, and yeah, then, well, you already right do, you already journal, right? You have a journal. I need practice. to journal more. Okay. I think those two. And then I would say, like, maybe for you, fun movement. Like, turning on a song and, like, looking, like, playing around with yourself. Do I look like the type that does funky dances? It's not funky. Or wacky dances. self-love, like looking in the mirror and saying like positive affirmations to yourself. I think that could be a really fun thing I look at the mirror at myself all the time. What do you say when you look in the mirror? How fire I always look. Okay. It's true. Good. So then maybe you don't need that ritual. Oh God! Ryan is affirmations out. He doesn't no, need any more. I've just been thinking about that, and I feel like a lot of people are thinking about just the end of the year, what this year meant to them, what twenty twenty two means to what's going, what's going to, what yeah. it's going to mean to them. I don't know. It's a These lot to a good, start to unpack. But yeah, in six weeks, you better yourself. start thinking about it. I agree. Ask yourself that now. Ask yourself that. You know, every n- night it's sometimes good to look back, like at the day, like what did I learn today? What worked? What didn't? What's my intention yeah, tomorrow? That's true. That's true. Anyway. Take it one day at a time. Exactly. Well, lots coming up on the show. Uh, Today, it's Trans Awareness Week, and we're going to be talking about how the trans community is confronting cancer and stigma all at once. 
That is later in the show at 325 p.m. Pacific, 625 p.m. Eastern. Plus, Paris Hilton is already having marriage drama? What's going on? That's in the tea report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Researchers say they have found a second patient whose body seemingly rid itself of HIV. It's bringing hope that it may be possible someday to find a way to cure more people of the virus, which is uh, very exciting, actually. And, you know, we've heard about this before. There was uh, they were going through a test trial of something that might help people and then it actually didn't work. And so I know that was really disappointing. But the patient actually, in this case, has received no regular treatment for her infection, but is a rare what they're calling elite controller of the virus, who eight years after she was diagnosed shows no signs of active infection and shows no signs of intact virus in her body, which is wild. And so I think they're trying to figure out like, what is going on? Can the virus just, you know, rid itself from your body somehow? So they're looking into it right now, um, but it definitely provides a lot of hope for everyone with HIV. Now, as the president signed the historic bipartisan infrastructure bill yesterday, here's what Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell had to say today. The infrastructure bill did not raise taxes did not revisit the 2017 tax bill. From a Kentucky point of view, it was extremely good for our state. I'm proud of my vote, and uh, members were obviously free to choose how they wanted to vote. And in the Senate, 19 Senate Republicans felt it was the right thing to do for the country. Now Democrats will move on to the $1.75 trillion social spending bill that they hope to pass before Thanksgiving. And finally, crowds will be permitted to ring in 2022 in Times Square this year. That's from Mayor de Blasio, who announced that today. Yes, but in order to do so, you must bring proof of full vaccination and a valid photo ID that applies to all ages five and up. There are a few exceptions, kids younger than five. Proof of a negative PCR test within 72 hours of arrival will be accepted for those where you have disabilities um, and can't get vaccinated. So that's very exciting because we didn't really have that last year in the same way as usual. So we're kind of back to normal, but that... Yeah. Uh, with some what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so there is trouble in paradise already for Paris Hilton and her new husband. It's time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So Paris Hilton's new stepdaughter has written a heartbreaking letter to the father she doesn't know. Hilton's brand new husband, Carter, is it Room? Uh, Carter Room. Room, okay, that's what I thought. Well, here's what the letter said, which this feels so, um, we'll talk about it after I read this letter. So it says, quote, dear dad, I would really like if we could actually have a relationship and I would like you like to give you a second chance, even though you have hurt me so much. She is nine years old. Her name is Evie and she's the daughter of Carter and his ex, Laura Belezzi. Um, It also says, I would also like to meet the rest of my family. I still have hurt and anger to work through, but I'm trying to set it aside because if you choose to respond to me i will be so happy if you don't my heart will still be broken but i know you will be really missing out because i'm awesome i love you is you know she signs off so this exclusive statement what to the post was sent by um laura belezzi the mom and she said her only intention is to give evie her daughter a chance to connect with the father who is not in her life now page six (sighs) broke this story that Carter has only seen his daughter when she was born, according to a source. Um, Lauren, also, you may know who she is. She appeared on a a VH1 reality show called Secrets of Aspen. 
And her young daughter has been longing to meet him uh, since seeing photos and reading stories of his recent wedding with Paris Oh, that is Hilton. horrible. I'm surprised. So I, I've known, I don't know Carter uh, well, but I, I have connected with him and his brother way back through work. Um, and I didn't know this at all. I mean, well, he's apparently never this made is it like clear. a little secret baby that's, that that's no one really so knows. Lame. But my thing is, I, I wonder how much did this little girl, one little girl probably did write this letter. I, I, know, I, I, I it sounds like an adult, but though. my thing is, no, because nope. I wrote a, I mean, I wrote a whole essay back in like middle oh. school about my dad and my and mom shipped it to him and that's oh, how God. we got reconnected. And so like, that is a possibility. It could happen. Actually, it was high school. Um, but that's a possibility that it could happen. Um, but my thing is, Laura didn't need to give this to Doe Page Six or the New York Post yeah. to put this that's, all over. That's messy. It's dirty. Yeah, it's like, why put this little girl in the public that's eye true. when she doesn't need to N- be? Now she'll look back and this is the moment she was throwing it out there. That's so weird. I don't, I don't know oh what's going to happen. But Carter, step it up and, and, and get your family stuff together. That's your team report. We've got more <laughs> coming up next hour. Weird. Okay, now jurors have been uh, begun deliberating in the homicide trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. We've got the latest details next with the Washington Post. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Jurors began deliberations today in Kyle Rittenhouse's homicide trial. A group of 18 jurors was in court for the entirety of the trial, but only six were dismissed by a random drawing this morning, which is very strange. I don't know if this is a normal thing, but here to answer all of our questions about this is Griff Witte, a national reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Good to be here. Can you tell us about, just before we move into the rest of the stuff, this random drawing? Does this usually happen? Well, what was unusual was having the defendant pick the names. Um, That's something that uh, a lot of veteran court watchers were scratching their heads about wondering. Obviously, they had to get down to 12 jurors. That's the number that is going to decide this case. Uh, But the fact that you had Kyle Rittenhouse himself putting his name into the, or putting his hand into the jar to select the names was, was unusual. So let's, now I, we have to jump back a little bit because, yeah, that is highly unusual. But what else should we know about that's been kind of going on during this trial? Well, we've seen that the judge has played a very active role in, in terms of making some decisions that, frankly, the, the prosecution has been very disturbed by, upset with. Uh, the, the judge seems to have uh, favored the defense in, in a number of his judgments in terms of the admissibility of evidence in terms of the, the rhetoric or the, the nomenclature that can be used, who can be called a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are decisions that are uh, procedural in many ways, but they're also important because they shape how the, jur- how the jury ultimately sees this case unfold. Definitely. And what about the closing arguments yesterday from both sides? Can you give us a little recap of how it, they both landed? So uh, what we saw in the closing arguments was a a real reflection of of what we've seen throughout this case, which is just radically different uh, portrayals of of who Kyle Rittenhouse is and what he was up to on on the day he shot three people, killed two of them. Uh, You know, for the for the prosecution, uh, he was they, they described him as a chaos tourist, someone who came to Kenosha to cause trouble. He was there uh, basically looking for a fight, looking to to shoot someone and just being very reckless and really not understanding how much damage his his rifle could do with AR-15 and not particularly caring that he had had shot people and killed killed two of them. Uh, for For the defense, they said this is a young man who is 
uh, was trying to do good. He was trying to help the community. He was there to, to be a medic. He was there uh, to, to, you know, to help people out and restore order in this chaotic situation. And they say he had no choice. He, he had to shoot these three people. His life was on the line. If he hadn't shot them, they would have killed him. Now, do we know any information about the jury? We know that uh, we know very little. Um, we know that 11 of them are white. There is only one person of color among the 12 people who are going to be deciding Powell and has his fate. And they are 12 citizens of, of Kenosha. And beyond that, we really don't know anything. OK. And, and then I think the really interesting thing here is there's already a number of protesters that are probably waiting for the verdict, waiting to already probably there at the court through this entire process. How is Kenosha preparing for, I mean, the after effect of all of this? So 500 National Guard troops have been deployed. They are standing ready. They're uh, prepared for uh, potential violence and, and trying to restore order if, if order is lost. Uh, I was there uh, at the beginning of the trial, and you know, I, I got the sense that uh, this was a city that's certainly taking a, a strong interest in the trial, but that the people of Kenosha are very determined not to see their city burn again. They, they really don't want to see more more chaos. They went through enough last summer. What they're worried about is that there will be outsiders who come in and cause trouble and, you know, seize this opportunity to, to make problems in Kenosha, which people point out, out to me, you know, is exactly what many people think Kyle Rittenhouse was mm-hmm. doing when he was there. He was he's not from Kenosha. He's from Antioch, Illinois. He came into Kenosha uh, when when things started to go go haywire there, uh, so people in in Kenosha are really hoping that that outsiders and others who might stir up trouble don't come to their city. Definitely. Well, that was Griff Witty, a national reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Next up, what people to judge needs to focus on now that the infrastructure bill has passed. We've got that for you with Politico after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. While the $550 billion bipartisan infrastructure bill has passed, it's now up to Pete Buttigieg to execute it all as a transportation secretary, and he'll be under the microscope the entire time. Joining us right now is Tanya Snyder, who covers transportation for Politico Pro. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So now that this is passed, which was a huge feat, what are the next steps for Pete? Because it's not going to be easy from here necessarily. Right, right. Um, So this infrastructure bill gives him and the department an amazing opportunity. Um, Pete Buttigieg will be meeting local political power brokers all over the country. He'll be showering communities with money. And I'm just talking about the political part. Obviously, he's going to be helping shepherd the, the reinvigoration of American infrastructure. There's a lot Uh, of kind of policies that he'll be putting in place and a lot of big decisions he'll be making. But politically, with an eye toward a future presidential bid, meeting local uh, politicians and and bringing uh, sort of being the bringer of good things all over the country, safer streets, faster trains, new transit connections, all of it. You know, it'll be like being on a campaign tour for the next three years or longer. Um, But there will be a lot of scrutiny, like you said, and there should be a lot of scrutiny, right? This is a lot of money, taxpayer money, and it needs to be well spent. Um, But it's also going to be an opportunity for his political opponents. 
Well, yeah, and you wrote about how Republicans are going to find any and everything to latch themselves to, to, you know, highlight the negative if anything comes from it in the way that he um, was a part of it, even if it was in his control or not his control. But that doesn't really feel like a, a new political strategy from Republicans. So why does it feel so high pressure that this does work in Democrats in Pete's favor? Well, first of all, Republicans are going to be in the tough spot. You know, the infrastructure bill is actually wildly popular. And obviously the projects that uh, and improvements that it brings to communities are also going to be very popular. And so Republicans that voted against this bill are going to probably be taking credit for it as well and and attending those ribbon cuttings and and all of that. Um, But they are also going to be whoever they put up in whether it's 2024 if Biden doesn't run again and Pete does or 2028 or whenever Pete Buttigieg decides to to try another presidential run you know there will be Republicans trying to uh trying to shoot him down potentially other Democrats as well um and 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 trying to find something to some scandal to associate him with um so whether it's a, a, you know, a project that goes wrong or uh, funds that were misspent or waste, fraud and abuse or some sort of tinge of, of uh, political bias in, you know, whether too much money goes to blue states instead of red states or too much money goes to swing states and people start thinking that, uh, that maybe there is a political motive there. Um, there will be lots, just lots of fodder for people who are looking for problems. And now what could his strategy be here to take on this challenge? I know in your article you wrote that the Department of Transportation had no comment, but from your research, what do you think? Well, everyone I talk to, including former Trump DOT officials, are just really impressed with the team at DOT. Um, You know, in addition to uh, Secretary Pete Buttigieg, uh, Deputy Secretary Polly Trottenberg is a department veteran and uh, very, very capable career professional. Um, Mitch Landrieu was just named the infrastructure czar. Uh, you've got John Porcari, also a, a veteran of the department who's running supply chain issues. So there are just a lot of people who really know what they're doing there um, and who are running a pretty tight ship. So this is a lot of money to get out, and they want to make sure that it is spent in accordance with their priorities, right? They're going to want to make the kinds of changes to U.S. infrastructure and transportation that will reduce uh, carbon emissions, for example. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're going to want to get that money out quick and clean. They're not going to want any scandal associated with it. And and it could also possibly help him with swing states, right? If he's throwing money at them, maybe that could get those folks on his side. Or on the Democrat oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and that's what—that's why this is such a wonderful opportunity for somebody who does have presidential ambitions. But everybody knows about those presidential ambitions too, and so people will be looking mm, for yeah. uh, ways that he's kind of trying to help himself here. Okay, well, that was Tanya Snyder, who covers transportation for Politico Pro. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much. Well, next up, the moment. Um, who the who's on first moment? Do you know the who's on first? It's um a saying from a, like an old school show. It's like guess, guess you're you know I'm wearing guess. Anyway, there was a moment like this on Fox News, and it was just the funniest thing that we've seen in a long time coming from Fox. We're gonna get into that moment next. 
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Woo! Are you ready for some laughs, everyone? Buckle up. Okay. I, what if they don't laugh? Well, then maybe uh, you promised them laughs. To, you got to give them uh, laughs. Question their humor. That's why you can't promise everything. You know, I think this is going to make you laugh, or it maybe made cringe. Me laugh. Or it, maybe, it had me no. crying. This it was morning. pretty great. So during Monday's episode of her Fox News show, The Ingram Angle, there was confusion between Laura Ingram and her guest Raymond Arroyo as they discussed woke culture, and you'll you'll hear what happened antidote to the politics and all those woke storylines in so many shows today. You know, I was watching an episode of uh, You where measles came up. Wait, wait, wait. When did I mention measles? I don't know. It was on You. What? 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 What was on me? What are you talking about? Right? What is the, the right hearing what I'm saying? I never had the measles. Was on You. We never did a. <laughs> We never did a measles and vaccine episode. Am I, is this a joke? I, know. I don't even know it what you're w- talking about. It was on you. It was on you. I've never had, Raymond, I've never had measles. What are you talking about? This is stupid. It was an episode of a show, Laura. Well, what's it called? You. What is you. It's called you. <laughs> I've never done a show on measles. You. Oh, you. It's called you. This is like, you you can't make this up. He gives up by the end. I mean, it's hilarious, this moment where it had me questioning if it was real, if they were just in on the joke, or were they that stupid? And I just want to say, they are that stupid. They have to be. Yeah, I think this is one of those things. She obviously doesn't know the show. She's too busy. Well, Lauren Ingram screaming uh, about other things. Only a narcissist would be like you and hear it automatically. To me. be fair, I've brought up you before on Netflix, and someone did that once to me, where they were like, "You." I that wasn't doesn't mean on that Netflix. they're not a narcissist. <laughs> and there is no to be fair, like you know, 
caveat for Alora Ingram. She's the worst. And honestly, I'm happy she's embarrassed because it just continues to discredit them as journalists. And even that argument that he was making, yeah, that's even worse. it made that's no sense. It's about bad. meningitis. And <laughs> they were upset about it. It's not like people are go- actually going to go kill someone. It's a, Or measles. Yeah. No, it was, a, it was yeah, measles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, the whole uh, the whole moment really shows where we're at. I feel like it's like if you had to take a moment on the news that it encapsulates where we're at as a society, this would be it. I love moments like this, especially if it's it's uh, happening on on Fox News um, because it's just it's gold. It's comedy gold. You couldn't write it better than yourself. At least we get to laugh at something on Fox News. The other stuff is kind of nightmarish. I laugh at everything on Fox News. I laugh and then there's a bit of a cry. (laughs) Oh God. Why is this there? Yeah, I'm just laughing. I'm not going to waste tears on them. Did it ever uh, come up when, you know, guess the brand, guess the fashion brand when you'd be like, what are you wearing? You're like, guess. Um, Who's wearing guess? Way back in the day, I wore. This guess. had to be I circa have, 2000. I have one pair of guest jeans right now <laughs> who's, that I actually who's really guess like. Guess in 2021. People wear guess. I don't think anyone wears guess. All right. Guess who's not wearing guess? <laughs> <laughs> no. Next up, the Olympics has announced new testosterone criteria for trans women athletes. That and more next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's coming up on the show today, including more music right here on Channel Q. So hang out with us. Stick around for that. Uh, But right now, let's get into some more headlines and stories happening today. Why this actor says he'll never do Comic-Con again. That's in the T-Report in a moment. Plus, what happens when cancer and gender identity collide? How hospitals are helping trans patients. That's in 30 minutes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. This is very big news. The International Olympic Committee today loosened and walked back its policy restricting the participation of transgender and intersex athletes in Olympic sports, but said it won't enforce sports-specific rules around inclusion. After a two-plus-year consultation process, the IOC moved away from their 2015 guideline that required transgender women to lower their testosterone levels if they wanted to compete alongside other women. They also admitted today that there is, quote, No scientific consensus on how testosterone affects performance across all sports and that the role of testosterone in creating unfair advantage is unclear. Mm. Yeah, this is this is a a big deal, even though I think a lot of people would have hoped that they would have done those sports specific rules or guidelines around inclusion. But it's still a step forward. Well, yeah. And my thing is, they're already kind of telling us things that we we already know, especially like I'm happy they're implementing and, and kind of loosening it's uh, annoying policy at first, but we already knew these things. We already knew that people should, I mean, people should be able to play the sport that they desire to play without any, um, without any, I don't know, disregard for anything else. I don't know. Yeah, and then the, I, the idea of the role of testosterone in it all has always been used against trans women. The fact that they're saying that there is no evidence of that is also a big deal. Yeah. Because it's something that advocates have been fighting for for a long exactly. time. Exactly. Now, Daniel Goldman, who you may remember as the lead lawyer in Trump's first impeachment probe, announced his run for New York Attorney General. When I was sworn in to lead the first impeachment investigation of Donald J. Trump, my job was to uphold the fundamental principle of our justice system, that in the United States of America, no person, no matter how wealthy or powerful, is above the law. I'm Dan Goldman, and I'm running for Attorney General to fight for one standard of justice for all. 
Okay, the AG position is up for grabs as Attorney General Letitia James plans to run for governor. And finally, drug maker Pfizer has signed a deal with a U.N.-backed group to allow other manufacturers to make its experimental COVID-19 pill. And it's a move that can make the treatment available to more than half of the world's population. So good on Pfizer for doing that, because now we get to expand this so that we can solve this once and for all around the world. We forget. I mean... Hopefully we don't forget. We're very privileged in terms of our ability and uh, to get the uh, vaccine or any sort of um, so m- medical treatment to help us with COVID. Whereas around the world, there's so many places that still haven't gotten anything. And so if this brings us one step closer to that, then hallelujah, we need that. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's talk about this because Adam Driver said he will never... Do another Comic-Con, and here's why. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, Mr. Driver apparently still has no clue just how famous he is. He recently revealed (laughs) that he was shocked that he couldn't just walk outside and say, grab a coffee, like it's no big deal, while at San Diego Comic-Con back in 2015. And this was, like, at the height of his career when he was doing the big Star Wars movie. Yep. Well, during a recent interview with BBC late night host Graham Norton, uh, Driver was asked whether he had a fun uh, during his appearance at the convention while promoting his role um, in Star Wars The Force Awakens. And of course, he said no. Here's why. Go outside there, like just put a mask on so nobody knows who you are because okay. Star Wars is, was very, you know, hadn't come out yet. Um, the, the, Force, the Force Awakens, the yeah. first one. And then, uh, then I opened uh, my window because I'd been in the room for 24 hours before this thing we're supposed to do. And then there was a band at the bottom of the building playing the Star Wars theme on repeat because we were all staying in a hotel. <laughs> so it was scary. Because you'd you, love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah the cast yeah. will love this. <laughs> then you show up and it's 2,000 people who are just uh, very devoted. It, it's just a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy. And he said that he is not, you know, anxious or anything about going back. But, of course, he is. (laughs) I mean, I don't think Adam Driver's, like, a people person, really. No, he's not. He's definitely an introvert. But he was, um, I I love this press tour that he's doing, of course, because, you know, they are promoting House of Gucci with Lady Gaga, Adam Driver. And I I like him during his, like, his press things. I feel like he's having a little bit more fun uh, in this era of his career, which is great because he's a great actor. He is. He seems like a fun guy to get to know. Maybe. He's delicious looking. Mm. That's your tea report, though. <laughs> I got more coming up next hour. All right. What happens when transgender patients are fighting against cancer? What hospitals are trying to do to support them next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's Trans Awareness Week, and we wanted to talk about something that isn't discussed as publicly, the experience of transgender cancer patients who have to deal with both the disease and stigmas around their gender identity. Dr. Don Dizon joins us right now, a medical oncologist and director of the Pelvic Malignancies Program at Brown University Lifespan Cancer Institute. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. No, happy to do it. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, so as a doctor and a member of the community, how has your experience informed how you treat trans cancer patients? Well, it's interesting. I always point to my one of the first experiences I had when I started in practice. I uh, took care of a person with ovarian cancer, but I walked in the room and there was a man and a woman there. And I went to the woman and said, um, hi, we're here to talk about your cancer. Is that correct? And she looked at me and said, no, he has the mm. cancer. And I was confused (laughs) Um, until I realized that he is a trans man. And he actually stood up, shook my hand and said, yeah, I have ovarian cancer. 
And it was just a, a terrible thing to go through because he literally had to keep coming out of the closet. But every new doctor he came in, he had to come out of the closet. They had to explain their relationship. And I just felt exceptionally bad, especially as someone who is a member of the community, that I made a very, you know, some would say obvious, but it was an assumption as to who was in the room, who had the cancer, and who was there to support her. And it was a completely important moment for me to realize that when you walk into a room with a, where there are people in there, you can't assume relationships. I've had people tell me, you know, oh yeah, when, you know, when I went to my doctor, you know, and yes, there's an age difference between me and my wife. It's like, you know, they refer, oh, nice to meet you. Is this your grandmother? You know, Mm. things like that are just really, really striking for people who are in this community. But for trans people, it is the experience of having to you know, be nervous about, do you have to say anything or will they know? Right. How will they receive it? Will you be, uh, will you have to face something offensive at its worst and biased at its least, at its most kind, perhaps? Yes. And then it's also the staff, right? Who have to, you know, usually if it's someone with breast cancer, we have them undressed from the waist up. And if it's a man with breast cancer, you can see, you can imagine, and this has been reported, where the medical system just won't even leave the room well, while this while this trans male gets undressed. Well, here let's you know? talk about this though, because there's an awareness that you had to even kind of learn, unfortunately, 100%. in a real time in a in a, in a really hard, kind of um, what some would say would possibly even kind of embarrass me because you're just like, oh my God, I didn't mean to make this It was moment. 100% embarrassing. Right? And so how do you think the awareness is, uh, is it improving in, in around you? Do you feel like other people in the medical profession, it's kind of understanding to not use such gender language when it comes to right. just things that are happening to, uh, you know, everyone's bodies? Well, unfortunately, I think we have a ways to go. I mean, there's a, there's a really important paper that was done of medical students and, you know, the, the, the bottom line was that if you're looking at just explicit bias or just unconscious bias against LGBT people, almost everybody had some sort of bias in medical school. The vast minority didn't. So they're coming into medical school with these things. But even today, we aren't routinely conduct, you know, collecting data on gender beyond male, female. No, no caveat of cis or trans. We're not collecting sexual orientation. We're not even doing, uh, you know, and go quote an inventory of gender, um, uh, gender associated organs that may or may not have been removed in the process of of claiming the gender that you are. So there's a lot we don't know yet. And there's a group of us really trying to change that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's something simple as, you know, when you introduce yourself to a room, just say, hi, I'm Dr. Dizon. My pronouns are he, his, and him. Or if you walk into a room, there are people in there who go, let's go around the room and let's just introduce everybody and how you all know each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. You know, something very, you know, very non-threatening, but also not specific to what you think someone's gender is. Because so much of what we do, we will ask about if someone is gay or lesbian or trans, if it's in their appearance. Yeah. So you can imagine those of us who, quote, pass as straight are wondering whether we need to unlock that closet door or will they help us out of it 
of their own volition. Well, yeah, because I think a lot of times queer people already have trauma when going to the doctors or to your health yep. professional because of how they've been treated, regardless of their intersectionalities. And I think, you know, going to a doctor, regardless if you're trans or not, is just a very fearful right. and kind of triggering experience. And especially if you're trans, you're trying to figure out if you're in the process of being, you know, your transition and, and even wondering like, well, should I be checking on other things in my body or is just me transitioning a priority right now? And I always just wonder like, how do you kind of make sure you're doing the best for yourself in that sense of making sure every part of your body is checked because that can be something that goes unnoticed. Right. And, And what we know of the data is that, you know, gay, lesbian, and trans people, they're not screened appropriately. They're not undergoing mammography or pap smears um, or even prostate screening the same way, um, uh, you know, cis men and women are undergoing those screening procedures. And it might be because of, you mentioned intersectionality, it might be because, A, you know, members of our community oftentimes can't afford the care because that is something that unfortunately is something we see in our communities, but it's also because they have been met with unkind words and deeds by other medical professionals, and they would prefer not to go through that. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um, I want to know what can be done, though, right? Yeah. What can be done to help those who are dealing with this? So the good news is that the surveys, at least in the cancer space, is that the vast majority of us who chose to do oncology really want to do better. There's this appetite to learn how we can meet the needs of the LGBT community, meet the needs of our trans communities. And so they're looking for engagement. They're looking for our community to help them understand the issues, to help them understand how do we make our clinic a welcoming space? You know, it's something as important as, you know, maybe a bathroom that doesn't designate a gender with it would be great, you know, but it's also training staff, really looking at this as how do I implement something that is welcoming to everybody that meets the needs in an intersectional way? And then how do we get the work done so we know what is the appropriate care for people who have transitioned. You know, we dose chemotherapy based on whether or not you're male or female. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah, we dose, we, oh, we, yeah. we judge how well your kidney function is doing based on your male or female. We hmm. interpret EKGs based on whether you're a male or female. And this is an unmet question. I have no idea. <laughs> Does it matter that you were born, um, you know, that you were assigned a male sex at birth? Or is it a matter that you are a full-fledged female standing before me on gender-affirming hormone therapy? You know, these are really important and basic questions that we still don't have answers to. So we need to work on the workforce beyond just the doctors. We need to work on medical assistants and people who check people in. Mm -hmm. We need, you know, all of the medical record systems that are in play in the United States have the ability to collect gender and sexual orientation. We need to roll them out. We need to make them part of our standard and we need to be able to look at people and think of a cancer, not as a gender. I see, uh, you know, enough men with breast cancer to know that breast cancer is not a female disease. Well, Dr. Don Dizon, we so appreciate you. The work you're doing is so needed. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity.
Yeah, Dr. Don Dizon is a medical oncologist, director of the Pelvic Malignancies Program at Brown University Lifespan Cancer Institute. Have a great rest of your day. Hope to have you back. Yes, you will. Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah, you too. Amazing stuff. Well, next up, more on the Parents' Bill of Rights being introduced to counter woke culture. We'll tell you more about that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, this is interesting. Today, U.S. Senator Josh Hawley, uh, Republican, introduced the Parents' Bill of Rights Act to defend parents' fundamental rights against efforts to shut them out of their children's education. Yes. Saying, it's time to give control back to parents, not woke bureaucrats, and empower them to start a new era of openness in education. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this comes, of course, <laughs> like, as parents continue to try to uh, come uh, to control, really, what their kids are being uh, taught, critical race theory, LGBTQ also um, history and um, stories and rights. And I mean, it's all entangled, right? As, as even books and, li- and libraries get kicked, kicked out and banned. And they think that, you know, having parents have more control in their kids' education will save their children from being, what, uh, taught these horrible, evil things, indoctrinated. <laughs> Well, it's just really interesting. I feel like every time Republicans use the word woke, yeah. <laughs> I cringe because I, I think it's like them just like, I'm like, I just want you to say what you really are thinking. Like, I, I feel like it's, it's starting to be connected to ties, especially around the conversation around critical race theory and, and not teaching kids like, you know, accurate history about 
America and whether that means racism or whether you're talking about, you know, the system of racism, racism, it feels like Republicans are using the word woke instead of another word of like a, a, a basically, um, I know like the uh, some uh, some people are saying that it's like another word for the N-word in some cases, like especially critical race theory is like another word for the N-word. And, and mm. it often sometimes feels like that because it's just like, well, why? What? What's this energy behind just telling the truth? What's the energy behind holding people accountable? What's the energy behind um, just doing the right thing and and not trying to rewrite history? And for me, sometimes it just feels like Republicans, um, for what we've seen, they always have coded language. In, in politics, there's always coded language. Some sort of marketing. And you can say certain things, and you're not being explicitly racist. But inherently, once you kind of unclothe everything, the actions, the connections to it is all racist. And so for me, I always look at that and see how the the language that they use to code different things really is just a disguise for what they're really trying to say. Yeah. And it's fear mongering. Right. And it's always involving the kids. Like if you don't do this, we don't come together. Your kids lives are at risk. Right. Like it's it's completely crazy what's happening here and it's amazing to see how it's progressed right i mean obviously last year it was all about uh covid but then as everything happened the uh r- racial awakening happened it was like oh here's another thing that we get to focus in on because of our fear that something that america will change now for the better obviously right and trying to keep it back in some sort of Old time. <laughs> old time. Old time. <laughs> you know, the old times of America. The old times. Right. It's like it, w- what they felt comfortable with, which is basically um, patriarchal, right supremacist type of vibe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I think this is scary. I, uh, I hope that, you know, we could say, oh, let's not take it seriously. But the fact is, with stuff like this, it does mean that uh, parents could control what is being taught. And you could say, like, parents have a right to know. But, like, the idea that what's being taught is wrong right now is the wrong thing. Because that's not the wrong thing that's happening But they don't know what they're talking about in the sense of critical race theory is not being taught in any type of K through 12 at all. That's that's a Harvard Law law School. A lot of misinformation. Like actual class. And so when you're talking about just telling the history, it's things that they were already kind of teaching, but also being more honest about it, like covering things in a different way. And if you don't, if you just want to know, just ask the teacher what they're talking about. It's just a simple question. And so to instead of doing all this hoopla and, and trying to rewrite history or trying to create, you know, a naive history for your kids to live in. It's just like, that's not going to do anything. That's not, it's only going to create space for us to repeat history and, and kids to not know the truth. Yeah. I mean, oddly enough, this new era of openness in education that they're talking about that they're saying uh, Democrats are pushing, I'm, or that they're trying to say that, you know, Republicans want to start this new era of openness. Actually, that's what Democrats want. I think like what they're pushing is an openness. They want transparency or I would say anyone who's progressive or or supports, you know, are good people and supports everyone. People want openness. This is the anti of openness censorship. Like that's actually what's happening. So it's really manipulative 
what is being thrown out there right now. Anyway, let us know what you think of the Parental Bill of Rights Act at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. But next up, are you into cliches or over it? What that says about you, next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Okay, so... (laughs) We were joking in the break because we realized we were talking a lot about language and uh, what else? Other language stuff these days. Grammar. Grammar. Yeah, we were talking about apostrophes. We were were talking about apostrophes yesterday and how social media is ruining that. And now we're talking about cliches. It was National Cliche Day, actually, November 3rd, Vanessa. She, She thought it was today. We missed it. But it brought up a bigger conversation about, uh, why we use cliches. Do you have any that are your favorites? Like any phrases or words that come to mind? Oh, I need to look up like cliche phrases because I don't even know. You know, okay. I feel like there's All idioms that or... Go- I feel like I'm like king of cliches. I feel like I say a lot But then of what's the here. difference between a cliche that's overused and one that still is ripe? Um, you know, like a, a closed mouth don't get fed. That is a cliche. Oh, yeah. I, I always I feel say like that. that's a, a good iconic one. Like that will stand the test of time. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, it has. I've heard my grandmother use it. So. Exactly. So, yeah, it does stick around. Um, what's another one? Oh, my God. All that glitter isn't gold. Oh. All for one and one for all is a, a, a common cliche saying. Kiss and make up is a, a, a cliche saying, according what about, to Google. There's no me and team. There's no I and team. Oh, or I and team. <laughs> Let's hang this up. We've already failed. Um, read between the lines, or my favorite one, read the room. Yeah, read the room. That's, that's a my, good. That's a good one. But cliches for me are like good moments. Like sometimes you don't know how to like say certain things in the moment. And a good cliche, it, it'll hit you right in the dinger. Yeah, the dinger. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that there are certain words or phrases that can be overused. And you could say, what about like woke or cancel culture? Like that went from, uh, that became something that's a bad cliche. That's not a cliche. What's the difference between a saying and then a cliche? A a saying has to be multiple words. Cliches have to be multiple words. Saying woke is just saying a word. But someone who, like, or uh, the idea of woke culture or like uh, cancel culture, I feel like there's a bit of like, it started being used and now it's a bit of a... Well... According to this article cliche. that we've uh, we we found online, the car on the conversation, they're talking about cliches. They said uh, adulting has become a cliche. It's right. That's it's, a word. It's a noun that has shifted to being a verb to adult. And this idea of being a devil's advocate, also, how now it's kind of being overused and could be harmful. So something adulting? That, no, devil's advocate. Oh, well, because it's always be. about something like the Devil's other side of it. Most be, definitely can, can be, always be. It could be almost like gaslighty, right? It most definitely can be for sure. And so it really like, shows. No one likes a devil's advocate. That's absolutely actually. That's honestly the most annoying thing to me. <laughs> no one's asking for you to look for the other side. I mean, there's some situations where it's it's I think important to look at the other side, but. Yeah. And most situations where I think being it's a devil's advocate, a bad rap. most times when being a devil advocate is being like called to or someone decides to bring it up is one of those moments where it's like, no one asked for this. 
No one's trying to look at something. Why are we trying? Like, what? Like, not you don't do this, but like sometimes you do this where you'll be Let's like, see. I wish they said this, or maybe we, you know, if you, the benefit of the doubt. I think benefit often, of the doubt. The of I, the doubt I, I use that a that lot. You do all the time, I use the benefit of the which doubt. Which is so frustrating. I'll be like, why are we searching for this? Why are we searching for the benefit of the doubt? Why are we searching for an opening for any sort of empathy? But or it depends on who you're doing it for or giving it to. Because my thing is, you try to give it to everybody and everybody doesn't deserve it. I think so I give point? people the benefit of the doubt. How can you give everyone glass the, half full? But isn't there not a balance? Is it there until not a they line? prove they prove me wrong? I rather wait for them to prove me wrong than assume they will. But prove they've me probably wrong. proven you long, wrong already for you to even give them the benefit of the doubt. No, I think there's they a put lot themselves of, into a negative I, situation I, I, that's causing for others to be doubtful. I think that a lot of assumptions can come up and you don't what? know what people's situations are or like what happened or the circumstances or the nuances. You are the queen so devil's advocate. Get out of here. the benefit of the doubt. Get out of here. <laughs> Next up, we've got what's trending this hour. These students staged a walkout in support of their trans classmates. Stick around for that next. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, we're back. Instagram for more music right here on Channel Q. But Hello. right now, we've got more show. Hello, Ryan. Yes, we do. And you'll find out why I'm actually speaking like this in my tea report. Mm, it's pretty nice, interesting, right? Is that British accent? It, it doesn't sound like it, mate. I don't know. It's no, like that is Australian. Yeah. Harry Potter. Oh, let me try. A Harry Potter reunion underway? Nope. Not right. at all, bruv. I'm sorry. I feel like we're insulting someone. No, I'm not. I'm, I got trying. a great Harry Potter. Um, come on. Americans always want to have British accents. Well, first of all, I will do a British accent because oh. British people come over here all the time taking all the British roles. I mean, all the American roles. You know, I just was watching um, Doom Patrol DC. Ryan recommends. Real quick, hot one coming in. Uh-huh. DC Patrol. Uh, no, Doom Patrol on HBO Max. Um, it is so incredible. If you are a fan of the DC unit. Doom. Oh. Doom Patrol. Um, It is absolutely incredible. And one of the actors I just found out was British. And I was shocked to hear their British accent because they play an American. um, They play cyborg and they play an American person. And I was just like, how do they do it? It's a skill. It is incredible. You have to put your tongue a certain way. My tongue (laughs) is a certain way. Thank you very Uh, much. And uh, in 30 minutes, we're going to be talking about setting and keeping boundaries in relationships. A perfect topic as we get into the holiday season. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. About dieting? No, this is the keeping boundaries. Oh, I'm waiting waiting to talk about the dieting. That's in 15 minutes. We are talking about about dieting, too. Lots coming up. Okay, what's trending this hour? Students at a high school in Berlin, Wisconsin, rallied around a trans classmate earlier this month who was targeted and harassed. In response to authorities saying they found no evidence of an assault, students at the school organized this walkout. And the police, in a statement to the media, had said after multiple interviews and examining the associated evidence of the alleged assault, our investigation discovered no physical assault or attack against the alleged victim took place. So they ended up staging that protest as a response to the police response, which was really unfortunate there. 
Now a group of opposing, uh, opposing the non-existent problem of critical race theory being taught in K-12 through schools is now offering $500 to New Hampshireites who are willing to snitch on teachers. Yes, that is right. There is a group, it's called Moms for Liberty, who are willing to pay people $500 if you catch someone at a public school breaking the new law, specifically a teacher. New Hampshire became one of several states this year to explicitly ban concepts that have been labeled critical race theory amid a national panic over this curriculum following last year's Black Lives Matter protests. And of course, as we know, uh, critical race theory isn't being taught in this, that for that age group. It was brought up for college students. We keep saying this and talking about this, but it doesn't seem to matter. And finally, Alex, a prominent Twitch streamer and drag queen, is the latest victim in a swatting incident involving drag queens who stream themselves playing video games. A swatting, if you don't know, is the action or practice of making a prank call to emergency services in an attempt to bring about a large number of armed police officers to that address, which is really scary. And this also comes just months after creators held a boycott in early September called A Day Off Twitch to raise awareness of the threats marginalized groups say they face on the platform. Uh, But it seems to still be happening. Drag queens who spoke with NBC News say they still feel unsafe. Those interviewed for the story on NBC News about uh, NBC News about this also only referred to them by their drag names out of fear that speaking out could incite further attacks. Really scary stuff. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, I'm talking all things Harry Potter. Oh God, please. You see how that works, right? It's very magical. It's an Amer- a magical experience. No. Um, anyway, no, it's actually really cool because can you believe it's been 20 years since Harry Potter, all the films, the first one. Does that make you feel old, came out. Me? No. Well, like, yes, actually, such a big 20 years. It does. I mean, two decades, eight films, two spinoff movies, and a theater play. Later, the original stars are reuniting. How cool is that? It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grant are coming together for the Harry Potter 20th anniversary Return to Hogwarts retrospective special on HBO Max. Now, everyone's wondering, is, you know, the turf queen herself, is she going to be showing up J.K. Rowling? Nope, because she's not invited. Oh. Um, it, you know, it doesn't look like she's going to be joining them, right? Which is great. Um, The post, New York Post is uh, talking about that they did reach out to JK, you know, to see if, you know, she's okay or upset about it, but we don't know yet. Others said to join the three actors include director Chris Columbus, Helena Bohem Carter, Robbie Coltrane. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's all of your Harry Potter faves. The special will hit HBO Max on New Year's Day 2022. The episode would also drop on TBS and Cartoon Network in spring 2022, ahead of the release of the franchise's third spinoff, Fantastic Beast: The Secrets of Dumbledore. Fun. Yes. Um, so head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to check out the one-minute teaser that was released today, because this is exciting and so happy that JK will not be a part. Okay. Thank you for that music too. Yeah, it's actually very loud. <laughs> magical, mystical. Well, next up, how to deal with diet talk during the holidays, of course. Thanksgiving means family food and so much more. But this conversation and the whole situation could get awkward and bad, so we're going to tell you how to deal with it next.
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Well, we're getting into holiday season, which means family, food, but these topics can actually lead to toxic conversations and can be very uncomfortable for some people who are triggered by these things, right? So how do you deal with that during this time? Well, Dr. Alexis Kanasan is here, who's a clinical psychologist and author of The Diet-Free Revolution, 10 Steps to Free Yourself from the Diet Cycle, and Mindful Eating and Radical Self-Acceptance. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, I guess let's get into, if you feel triggered by this, um, if someone has an eating disorder, doesn't have a healthy relationship with food, how are they supposed to approach a time like this? So I think it can be really unique, and I want to kind of highlight that it's not just people with an eating disorder or disordered eating Mm -hmm. who are triggered. I mean, these comments can be really toxic for anybody. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily about being triggered triggered as much as recognizing that, you know, these just these topics um, really should not be dinner table conversation. Um, But if you, you know, are encountering this kind of diet talk at Thanksgiving or any kind of holiday or family meal or anything like that, um, I think that it's important that we stay in touch with what feels true to us. So there's different ways to approach it depending on what your comfort level is and kind of like how much energy you have to dive in. Um, So like on a very basic level, it's completely okay to just walk away. And if a conversation's making you feel bad, you can excuse yourself. I think, you know, saying you have to use the bathroom is a really great out and just take a few minutes to, um, you know, have some space to yourself and decide how you want to move forward when you come back. Um, Of course, we can always kind of call people in and, you know, let them know that this conversation doesn't feel good and be direct about addressing it and let them know that you have opted out of dieting, that you are not participating in diet culture anymore and, you know, kind of share some of the reasons that that's been helpful in your journey and provide some education there, Um, you know, or, or just set boundaries in terms of saying, this isn't what I want to talk about. There's so many more interesting things than what we're eating or what my body looks like. Um, We can also just simply change the conversation. Yeah, because I think a lot of times around holidays that are uh, unfortunately centered around food and it's sitting at a kitchen table um, also really highlights fat phobia in ways that could be really unfortunate for folks who are bigger body like myself, especially unnecessary food comments or, you know, your eating habits can be highlighted. And it's just like I always think about how do people set those boundaries ahead of time or even in the moment? Yeah, and it's really hard. There's so much fat phobia that's just entrenched into our culture. And so, you know, we all kind of have it because we've all been swimming in it for most of our lives. And even comments that are, you know, people think are directed towards themselves, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm eating so much or I'm going to have to go to the gym to work this out tomorrow or whatever. You know, it still is bringing a focus to the idea that being smaller is better and that these foods are bad or off limits and that this is something that, you know, they care about and therefore you should too. So it's still, you know, even if the comments are being directed at you, they can still be really harmful. Is there anything that we could all do to prep leading up to these moments of like traveling or the big meal, you know, or the big meetup, because I feel like also there's some like, it's almost like pre-production pre-work before entering this family time. Yeah. I think that, you know, a few things that we can do to prepare, you know, one is kind of have a support system ready. So if you know that it's going to be, you're going to be going into some difficult conversations, see if you can have like some friends or people who are supportive in your life that you can 
you know, text from under the table or go outside for a quick phone call or people, you know, who are just going to get where you're going through and be able to offer support in a moment of difficulty. Um, I think also having a game plan can be really helpful in terms of, you know, do you want to directly approach, um, you know, family members or, or people who make comments like this in terms of saying this is not acceptable or, you know, this is diet culture and this is why I'm not participating in that? Or are you more comfortable with an approach that's going to be about walking away or taking some time out for yourself or just redirecting the conversation to things that you actually do want to talk about? Yeah, because that's what I was thinking about. I was like, what's the like the response that you would say is like a good, like if I was to write this down, mm. how, what should my response be if I'm, you know, coming into contact with something like this? So I think it can be, you know, again, whatever you're comfortable with, but some ideas are, you know, saying something like, Oh, there's so many more important or interesting things we could be talking about right now. Do we really have to talk about the size of our body or, or that we're bad by what we're eating? You know, I think that even something as simple as we're not bad because we're eating pecan pie or we're not good or bad based on our food choices. You know, making little comments like that can be helpful. Um, we could be really direct and say, you know, this conversation around dieting and body, you know, weight loss is really harmful for my mental well-being. I'd appreciate it if you could not broach these topics with me. Yeah. Um, my thing is, but it, it varies. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're petty like me, just say your food's nasty and I won't go eat it anyway. <laughs> but that's just that's me, right. you know, that's just how petty I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think we all have to have our twist on it, right? For some people, it really is uh, can be so emotionally taxing to have to directly confront it. Yeah. Um, I just like to like emphasize that it's completely valid to just try to find a way to duck out. But some people, like, you can come up with a little sassy remark mm-hmm. and you can come up with a, a twist on it. And th- that's great, too. What I also felt was hard was witnessing. Maybe I wasn't involved in the back and forth, but when you're witnessing it happen among other family members and, like, how do you get involved? Involved or step in, that could be also really challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's also interesting in family occasions where we have people who are, um, you know, maybe at different levels of education in terms of like awareness of diet culture and the harms of the thin ideal or the harms of perpetuating this weight normative idea. Um, and many people are just simply not aware of it. So I think that you know, if you feel up to it, these occasions can be really great opportunities for education and just kind of saying like, hey, you know, I've decided that I'm not going to spend my time and energy shrinking my body because, um, you know, that's not what my, it doesn't align with my values. And it's a, you know, uh, ideal that's oppressive to so many people. So, you know, you can provide some education or even just saying, you know, that weight is not what determines our health. And I have, you know, other things that I want to talk about. If you're witnessing it, say, can we just stop having this conversation right now? Let people eat what they want to eat and you eat what you want to eat. I'm not going to tell you how to eat. Just everyone just stop telling each other what to do. Okay. Also, it's also not just, it doesn't have to be just, you know, someone saying something. It's also kind of like those little actions are Mm -hmm. if someone looks at you differently while you're picking up a spoon. You know, like it's it's those moments that can really also, Mm -hmm. you don't even have to be verbal about it. It's the non-communications, the non-verbal cues that really can be as harming. Um, that exactly, w- the microaggressions. Yes. Yeah. That was Dr. Alexis Connison, a clinical psychologist, author of The Diet-Free Revolution, 10 Steps to Free Yourself from the Diet Cycle with Mindful Eating and Radical Self-Acceptance. It's out now, The Diet-Free Revolution. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Well, next up, uh, I feel like this 
goes into our next subject really well. How to set boundaries in your relationship and stick to them. It's like a New Year's resolution. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We talk about boundaries a lot on this show. Uh, but how do you not just set them, but keep and, them and stick to them in your relationship? Because it could be hard. A lot of us uh, go back on old patterns. Here to help us is Dr. Susana Flores, a licensed clinical psychologist and author of Facehooked, how Facebook affects our emotions, relationships, and lives. Yikes, we all need some of that and help with that. Mm-hmm. Dr. Flores, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So... I guess uh, let's talk about boundaries and relationships as it as it works with you know with the holidays coming up and we might be feeling that pressure of how to set boundaries with uh, people and relatives who we know we are triggered by. So, what is your take on that? Well, absolutely. Um, uh, in our field, we say like nothing brings out crazy more than weddings, funerals, and the holidays because it's a stressful time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we visit in-laws and family, which can also create additional stress. So it's important to have a, co- a conversation with your partner about even having signals of like when you're uncomfortable or when to leave, um, or even just, you know, when to stand up for yourself and set boundaries. And so, you know, if it's particularly with your partner at, um, an event, you want to definitely choose your battles, but you have to express your deal breakers, you know, preferably right at the time that it's happening. So there's a stronger emotional and cognitive connection um, with that moment. So, for example, I feel disrespected by your mother. Please say something versus just waiting, because if you wait, it's going to fester mm. and other emotions are going to get in the way of the main emotion, which is anger out of disrespect. Yeah, you know, normally when you're, like, working on yourself and you understand kind of the necessary need of setting boundaries, oftentimes the people around you, like, if you're around family members, they aren't really thinking that way. You're you're dealing with a different generation of people who aren't using that language of boundaries and are understanding that. (laughs) And so so I always wonder how do you kind of bring that if, especially if you're dealing with cross generations, how do you bring that to them where they understand it instead of going into like this huge meltdown? Because oftentimes I could even use an example as my mom, if I'm trying to set boundaries in the way that feels healthy for myself, that can be something that she doesn't understand or takes it in a way that feels like harmful or like, oh, it's well, defensive. yeah, it's defensive. And, and it just it doesn't feel like anything is actually getting done and you're getting further and further away from actually setting your boundaries. So I, I, I just wanted to kind of know your perspective on that. Well, you make a very good point about, you know, uh, genera- certain generations not understanding the boundaries or communication styles of other generation. So like, it's important to, you know, not make assumptions about other people's boundaries and also like not make assumption that they know your boundaries. Mm -hmm. So again, this is where communication is key and compromise is also going to be key, especially when it comes to other, other people's families. Right. But there's like three higher standards that people can practice, even in these situations um, that can help you maintain boundaries and your integrity while respecting those of others. And so, like, the first one is I choose me. Now, for overgiving people or overaccommodating or impasse or so, that sounds selfish, but it's not. What it means is I will not compromise my values or beliefs, which means you also stand up for yourself at that moment if you feel that, you know, that you are not being true or authentic to yourself. The second one is equal effort only. So you give only as much effort 
as you are given. And it's almost like a, a match of energy. So if someone is engaged, you are engaged. If someone withdraws, you know, you withdraw. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. I'm talking about like where, you know, there's a pattern of people taking advantage of you or people disrespecting you. You know, you can also withdraw. If you feel that they're not being friendly, you can step away or you can announce that you're stepping away. You know, I feel disrespected right now, so I'm going to I'm going to move to another room. It's still setting a boundary without creating and not that you would be creating the drama, but without amplifying perhaps um, possible drama. And the last one is I will not be disrespected or undervalued, hmm. period. I have to add the period, right? It doesn't matter if you knew someone for 20 years or if you've known someone for 20 years. It doesn't matter if you're, it's your mother, your father, your brother, or a relationship or whatever, you know, whatever uh, has happened. It is important to establish it once again, set the boundaries right at that moment, if possible, if not later when um, emotions have calmed down, um, and encourage your partner to do the same. I mm. feel disrespected when you, whatever, and that's the I statement, I feel, versus an accusation. You know, I would assume that setting boundaries is supposed to feel good in the moment, but oftentimes it doesn't. Why? Oh, it really doesn't. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Why? Well, if you're a nice person, you care about other people's feelings, yeah. right? <laughs> and I'm going to go back to the I choose me. Very often, in particular women, like we compromise our emotions in order to help other people feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And if you're an empath, those people that, you know, can, are really receptive to other people's emotions, you're not only functioning from your anxiety, you're functioning from their anxiety yeah. or their, you know, discomfort. So then you try to um, do damage control or you yeah. just suppress your emotions or your thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Yep. For like, it's this notion of I'm going to take one for the team. And I would say, no, you don't. You know, it is okay for other people to feel disappointment. It is okay for other people to feel uncomfortable or even anxious. Your emotions and your opinions are just as important as other people's, especially when you're on the same playing field, which means you're an adult, your mother's an adult. You're, you know, and, and yes, there's, there's a certain dynamic, especially in the mother-daughter relationship, often more complicated than the husband-wife relationship, but it helps a parent to acknowledge that, you know, their son, their son or daughter is now an adult. And so often what can help with, let's say, difficult parents is the broken record technique. I feel disrespected right now, so I'm going to hang up. Well, you never listen anyway, et cetera. I feel disrespected right now, yeah. so I will hang up. And when you feel like respecting me, I will speak to you again. Now, notice I didn't use the word easy. It is not easy to do this, especially if you're from certain cultures where <laughs> that's unheard of. You know, but um, it takes practice. But once you do it, at least once, and you realize that the world does not implode upon itself when you do, people may get upset. Allow them to be upset. It's okay, right? Just just allow it. They have a right to be upset too. Um, but you're honoring your emotions and you're honoring your opinions. Okay, and, and that's yeah. how you become authentic to yourself and mm-hmm. while maintaining boundaries. Love that. So much great advice there for us all a takeaway going into the holidays in our lives. Thank you so much. That was Dr. Susana Flores, a clinical psychologist. Check out the, their book, Face Hooked, How Facebook Affects Our Emotions, Relationships, and Lives. Thanks again. Thank you. Well, next up, the TikTok debate about whether it's okay for you to masturbate to someone you know. Okay, let's go there next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There's a viral video on TikTok, among many viral videos, but this one is really interesting. 
So this person, Katie, said that her best friend's boyfriend admitted that he masturbated while looking at photos of her. And Wait, say that, say that again. Rewind that back. Uh, you can just throw out masturbation. Yeah, well, and and so not... so this guy admitted her friend's boyfriend that he masturbated while looking at photos of her. Friend's boyfriend. Yeah, friend's boyfriend. She made the point that he did this without her knowledge or consent, and she wrote that she'd rather he had not told her. Wait, um, so the boyfriend's friend. No, oh friends, wow! No, Why would exactly. he volunteer that information? Um, and he had accessed intimate photos of her somehow. Anyway, which is. Oh, totally. so that, how would he have done that unless he, like, broke into the boyfriend's phone or the no, boyfriend no, no. It sent was, it? She is a girlfriend, probably. Do girls send their intimate Some, photos to, them, um, to each other? That doesn't seem like I don't know. She just said, she clarifies do. the photos and videos that her friend's boyfriend access were intimate. I don't know how. But it's creating a big debate. A lot of people, specifically men, are saying that she's overreacting. Uh, and I think this brings up a, a big... Uh, conversation. I think it's okay to fantasize about people. I wonder if it does draw the line, including if you're accessing private photos. Like, and I even feel like Googling someone who is like a best friend's friend. I don't know. It just crosses the line. Um, my thing is, if you're going to fantasize by, about someone, don't tell them that. That's your own personal yeah, that's thing. That's weird. your that's your drama. That's your that's your business specifically. Um, I find that to be absolutely creeper-like to just volunteer that information. Like, what is that? Sh- are you like thinking she's going to get turned on by that? No, Honestly, it's you're not like even he... thinking about how she would react yeah. or if she even knows that. So, like, my thing is, you have an issue with consent off the off the top. A lot of times, people share this thinking like, "Oh, it's going to make me feel better, less guilty." Right by telling you, getting it off right, my chest, I'm being even, honest about it. I don't even know that guy doesn't even seem like he would even have the self awareness to think about something like that. Like if you're just telling someone something intimate like that, especially if it's your your friend's girlfriend, that just feels wild. Like I I just don't understand that. Like imagine someone you're dating went to a friend of yours behind your back was like, oh, I saw a picture of you and I decided to do my thing. Like, that would be, wouldn't you be just pissed off? Yeah, I mean. I think it totally crosses the line. It depends on how, if the Koran's cute or not. Okay, yeah. If we're going to have an honest conversation. I want to have an honest conversation. And it's obviously different in maybe cis-hetero relationships. If he's cute, then maybe I'm like, Maybe it might, Thank you for telling me, but you didn't have to tell me. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, damn, he's fine, maybe. Um, at least I know that's an option if this relationship don't work out. <laughs> well, you know, but this happened to me. I but told this you. is weird. When it comes to straight guys doing this to women, that yeah. feels weird and predatory. No, I told you this ha- This happened to me, but I, I went into my ex's laptop history. I know he listens sometimes here. Maybe he's listening to our show right now. But he remembers this, if he is. Um, I went and I saw he had Googled a friend of mine naked. And I was like super pissed. But he off. didn't tell her. No, but I found it. And I was annoyed because, yeah. Yeah. My, See, my thing is yeah, what you're was... doing in the privacy of your hand in your bedroom, cool. That's I know, fine. I shouldn't but care, like, but it's, it's, I, don't. I don't, I don't, you don't need to express that to anybody because then you're kind, you're walking into territory that doesn't feel like you care about their, I don't know, the autonomy of their own body. Their feelings? Yeah. yeah, totally. I I agree. I think it's wrong. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. 
This one goes to two magazine stars. One's a cover star, though. The other should have been. Brian Michael Smith of 911 Lone Star is the first transgender man to make people's sexiest men alive. You know, the Paul Rudd issue. Well, Brian Michael Smith is in it. And that's really cool. So go him. He's been on the show before. Love him. Hopefully we can have him on, uh, you know, before the end of the year. That'd be great. So a big shout out to him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, we were just DMing. I think we may be able to make that happen. Yes. But um, I'm super excited for his trajectory of his career. He's all, he's a force. He's amazing. And he is fine. He deserves yeah. that. He's looking good. And the next one goes to Lil Nas X, who is one of GQ's men of the year. And he graces the cover. Well, two of him grace the cover. <laughs> Always very creative in how he presents himself and everything. It's very, very artistic. That's what I love about his work. And he well, definitely he didn't do it. Shows that well. There was on a whole cover. team behind it, but yeah. he looked great with it. Exactly. So a shout out to uh, these two members of the LGBTQ community who keep on making history. Yes, Queen. That also does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, a second person has been cured of HIV without treatment, as we mentioned, but here's what that actually means, according to researchers. We're going to be getting into that on tomorrow's show. Of course, we've got the tea report every hour and what's trending this hour. So come back tomorrow if you don't already. We appreciate it. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris after this. He's talking about how nature can help your mental health. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.